Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Privacy is something everyone in the modern era must come to terms with. Our digital footprint is everywhere and protecting our identity from theft or managing who can see our personal details online is a hard one. How much information do you have on who knows about you and what they know as you do your daily routine, such as some internet shopping, searching news articles, sending out emails, or posting a few happy snaps on social media from your laptop or smartphone? My guest today is Marco Berlin, and he's here to discuss the politics of privacy. He is currently the CEO at DataCapi, whose VPN protects you from advertisers, data collectors, and third-party agencies with full device coverage. Marco has enjoyed a diverse and long career that includes stints in education, bioscience investing, and more recently, privacy. After graduating from Vassar College in 1999, Marco started work as a research assistant at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Centre in New York City. There, he developed a passion and acumen for studying and analysing biotech stocks, which he continues to do to this present day. In 1992, he founded Science, Technology and Teaching, which taught third grade science after school in New York City's public schools. Marco then went back to work for Read Speak Inc., a private business focused on education through language acquisition. He received his Master's in Educational Administration from NYU in 1999. Fast forwarding a little bit to 2002, he founded Elephant Hill Organic Farm and after the birth of his children, closed the farm and focused solely on biotech investing. In 2016, he founded Blindcut LLC, an internet privacy company, and now is at the helm of DataCapi. Marco also plays tennis with his dogs and strives to make the world a better place, which I think is an awesome goal. So welcome to the podcast, Marco. Thank you for having me. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech-savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy, and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Z-E-N dot A-I, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. Okay, young Marco, what did you want to be when you grew up and did that happen? When I was younger, I had an affinity for math and science, and I pursued that in my initial career through research at Memorial Sloan Kettering. But after going to an autopsy of a six-year-old girl, I found out that 
cancer research probably wasn't for me. So that's when I started my after-school nonprofit science, technology, and teaching, and thought that if I wasn't going to cure cancer, I should help younger kids find the passion to do so. So what drove you to lead a company like Datacapi? And I guess what problem are you solving? Well, like you alluded to in your introduction, privacy is becoming forsaken for convenience right now. And I thought it was important that people become aware of the problems that are being created by their lack of attention to their privacy and thought that, let me backtrack for one second. So I was actually pursuing a a whole different business venture when I found that there were no reputable VPNs. I was trying to develop an app that was going to allow you to send pictures without there being able to be a screenshot, found out that Sony had a patent on it. So while I was doing this, I was searching for a VPN because I wanted to protect my privacy. And the only things that came up were VPNs that were uh, allowing people or intended for people who are doing nefarious things. So it would come up with a skull and crossbones or something really scary. And I thought to myself, wow. Dark web kind of stuff. (laughs) Dark web kind of stuff, exactly. And I thought to myself, well, you're trading your trust when you're using somebody's VPN because they now have access to all your data. And if they're not reputable, then you're doing yourself a disservice by using them. And I didn't see any trusted VPNs out there. So I figured I should start one. Wow, there you go. So I love it. The accidental kind of process led you to to where you are now. So I think tech in some ways is is a wonderful thing. And of course, during the pandemic in the past two years, a lot of us have had to get really good at being online all the time for all our meetings and communications. And it's allowed many of us to keep our businesses and our careers going. But obviously, tech has a price. How has it really complicated our privacy in this really interconnected global world And I guess it's really easy to demonize it, but there are a couple of examples where you think it's a really good thing. Well, actually, I don't really think a lot of it is bad. I just think the way it's been implemented is bad. I think a lot of the conveniences and a lot of uh, the things that digital age provides are actually great, but I don't understand why they have to come at such a cost to your privacy. A lot of the things that are built don't have to collect all the data that they do. It's only in the last 12 years or so that the explosion of data has really taken hold and people realize that it was an actually really valuable commodity. You know, at at some point, if you think of data as a commodity like oil, it's going to become the most valuable commodity on earth if it isn't so already. And here at Datacapy, we feel that it's important to protect your privacy. So that's exactly what we're here to do. So how do people know that it's 100%, you know, anonymous and, and encrypted? I mean, I guess companies can make all sorts of claims. How, without giving us all your trade secrets, have you made sure that that's at the forefront of what you're doing? We run a whole bunch of tests all the time to make sure that uh, our encryption is strong, that our IP protection is strong, that the blocking that we do for the third-party host cookies and other things is, is strong and accurate. We have a very solid service that we've tested a whole bunch of times and we we feel that it's a really strong service and it it does exactly what it's supposed to do. So what are some of the main ways that many of us might be giving up our right to pure privacy? I'm thinking every time we click on social media is an obvious one, you know, posting pics on Instagram, ordering a pizza online, for example, all those conveniences. And I guess, do we just have to accept to an extent that if you want to have access to this e-commerce world and this social media world, that we we are trading 
information, therefore our privacy in many ways. Is it is it really, you know, you obviously you've got a, a service and a product which helps circumnavigate some of that, but I think a lot of consumers would just assume that that's the deal and might be okay with it. What's your view on that? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people have come to the realization that it is happening and that either they don't care or they don't know what to do about it. Uh, I hope more people are in the latter camp and they just don't know what to do about it. Unfortunately, I think that people are trading the convenience for their privacy. Free apps are ubiquitous. People don't really understand what they're collecting. All those weird surveys, you know, those things where you go, what will you look like when you're like 90? And you just, you know, get an image, but of course you've given away all this information when you're doing it. Just those fun things, I think, you know, people often... Or what kind of fairy princess are you or (laughs) what kind of, you know, exactly what, you know, if you were a superhero, what, you know, superpower would you like? All these things are indicators of your personality, who you are. And and at, at Data Capy, we try and explain to people that all this information is being collected and then not only collected, but analyzed and then profiles are being created of individuals by these corporations. And there's no oversight. It's, it's, I, I don't want to say insane, but to me, it's insane that people haven't come to terms with the fact that what they're divulging is probably more valuable than what they're getting. We, uh, I also run a, an educational website for parents called privacyparent.com. And we often talk on Privacy Parent about free isn't free and why things are free and how they can be free. Because if you're an app developer, it costs you, you know, 50 or 100,000 American dollars to build an app. And you can't build something like that and not expect something in return. I mean, not everybody is building something for an altruistic reason or has got a hobby. And so there's a lot of money and cost that goes into it. And you have to recoup your costs somehow. And most people do it by collecting and then selling data. Absolutely. A 2018 EY and International Association of Privacy Professionals report found companies reported spending on average $1.3 million per year on EU's general data protection regulation compliance costs. These costs are undertaken not only by European countries, but also US-based companies with an EU presence. And be, I imagine a similar trend in Australia where I'm based. The clearest and most easily identified costs associated with more stringent data privacy regulations are those that companies must initially undertake to become compliant. Why does there seem to be this constant trade-off, I guess, between regulation and freedom and compliance and that access point where it's a bit of a fine balance? I mean, companies obviously have to try and keep up, but, you know, one thing for individuals, but I guess that trade-off between regulation and freedom is always a balance in the free world. How do we actually get there? Well, that's a, a tough question. Quite honestly, if a lot of these companies didn't collect all the information that they did, you know, take an Uber, for example, who are egregious collectors of information that they don't actually need. If they only collected your location services so they could drop you off and pick you up conveniently and then deleted that information, these businesses could run without the oversight and regulation that's going to be imposed upon them. The regulation is coming because citizens are demanding some semblance of privacy, but they're not really sure how to get it. So they're looking to their lawmakers. And I don't really think that the regulators are going to be able to impose a lot of the sanctions or laws that they'd like to, because the deep pockets of the big tech firms uh, and their lobbying efforts uh, continue to thwart privacy all over the world. And of course, you've got things happening like 
rich entrepreneurs like Elon Musk buying things like Twitter. So that's going to be an interesting plot twist, I think, in how we think about our privacy and, and individuals, if you like, controlling some of that. Well, again, that's, uh, you know, it's going to even be more interesting what happens because it's a private business and there will be no oversight and the outcry will have to come from the public and depending on what the algorithm says and how Musk implements, uh, you know, the new Twitter protocols, people might be curious as to what's actually happening behind the scenes. So basically, smaller companies obviously have to absorb those costs of more stringent data protection regulation. Large tech companies like Google and Facebook can more easily absorb those compliance costs associated with regulatory approaches to data privacy and therefore have been able to grow their market share while those smaller online companies perhaps struggle and become less competitive over time. And additionally, I guess some companies have probably chosen not to continue to offer their services in certain jurisdictions of the world because those compliance costs and restrictions are too burdensome and costly. Is it therefore up to consumers to demand more privacy and be willing to pay to do this through a business like Data Cappy? I mean, is that what we kind of have to get to the point where, you know, privacy in some ways is almost a privilege? It's not an assumption. Yeah, and that's also a double-edged sword. That's obviously why we have to charge for a service like Data Copy because you can't provide a free service. As I mentioned earlier, free isn't free on the internet. Free comes at a cost, but there will be people that are willing to trade their privacy for a free product. And that makes privacy a question of whether it's going to be people who can afford privacy, which probably will be the case, unfortunately. And yes, people will have to start to pay for their privacy. We're currently building a chat app that's in beta test. And chat apps are insanely expensive to run. Just the you know sending of photos and videos is really expensive. So if you're using a free chat app, there's something going on behind the scenes that is allowing the business to make money. So we're at a crossroads now because we would like to be able to provide an anonymous, free, encrypted chat app, but will people pay a dollar or two a year for it? Or are we going to have to serve advertising? There's no way I'm going to collect data on people. So it's always a conundrum of what people will pay for versus where they'll sacrifice their privacy. Hopefully people realize that it's important to pay a little bit because things aren't free on the internet and will think their privacy is worth that few dollars they spend. And I guess... You know, as as the audiences and consumers become more sophisticated and more aware of this, I guess that'll become the norm. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, this, the internet's not going to stop. We, get, we are very reliant and dependent on this technology. So really, it seems like a fait accompli that we're going to have to all kind of, you know, get our game on when it comes to this privacy piece. And, and like you say, some people maybe don't know or don't care, but a lot of us must think about it every time we buy something I know I do and obviously I've got children and I'm aware of how they've grown up with this so there's a very normalization of oh well this is interesting this is free this is fun and that's what the companies want but they probably don't realize they're giving away their data as well and it's really more important for children I hear a lot of people say well I've already given away everything so what do I have to lose and at data capital we say you've got a lot to lose, but it's really more important for children because they're still at the infancy of what they're giving away. And the tracking and the AI and all the information, the the dossiers that are collected and created are going to just be more comprehensive on our kids. I wrote an article a couple of years ago 
calling all of us digital guinea pigs. And I, that makes us sound not very bright, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's because we all were just had this new technology thrust upon us. It was really cool. It was really efficient. It allowed us to communicate. It allowed us to do a lot of things. But as the internet evolved and smart devices evolved and people realized that data was uh, important, it started to become something that people needed to start taking, uh, be, become aware of. It's just, uh, at this point, children need to be protected because I equate the loss of privacy to global warming. And not that you have to believe that it's man-made or not, but if you do, or if you believe that there is some pollution contribution to it, and if you could have mitigated some of those problems you know, in the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and thought about what effects it might have had 100 or 200 years later, would you have taken those steps? And I say, well, this is the things we have to do now because all the problems that we're confronting today are historical in nature, whether it be economic disparity, religion, what geopolitics, whatever it might be, we're dealing with the messes created by our ancestors. But the mess we're creating for our future generations is the loss of privacy. And it's something we have to start taking seriously. So changing tack a little bit, I'm always a believer that most people in their careers and their businesses have had some people who've perhaps guided or mentored them along the way. Are there one or two such people in your life and what sort of impact have they had? Well, when I was starting my love for science research, I had the privilege of working at uh, Amherst College for a brilliant biologist named Oscar Chate. And he was a German immigrant and he was a genius. Uh, he could quote Shakespeare and talk about lymphocytes in the body and, you know, other things and make all these great tangential connections. And uh, his ability to draw from all his different disciplines uh, really motivated me to learn not just about science and math, but uh, all the other liberal arts as well. And we kept in touch until he passed. And he was, he was such a brilliant man. He was convinced he was going to be able to regenerate limbs at some point. So during the research we were doing, he was going to cut off his pinky in hopes of growing oh it back. Goodness. Thankfully, There's he never did. <laughs> we never got there. But he was a brilliant mentor and made me really uh, appreciate what knowledge was about. Awesome. If we spoke in a year, what would be the number one thing you would have hoped to have changed in your business and why? I don't know if I would necessarily change things with my business because we're doing all the right things. Datacapi is one of the best, safest, securest VPNs out there. We also have a private browser, which is another aspect of keeping you private. Um, what I would hope would be that people's consciousness about uh, privacy started to evolve and they started to take it more seriously and they, they would start to engage with products like Datacapi um, because it's really essential for the future, for really for our children um, because a lot of people, again, I say, you know, think that they've divulged as much as they have to divulge and it's more about protecting our children and, and making sure that they understand what's at stake. I have a uh, not young children, but uh, teenage children. Uh, and my youngest will not download an app without reading the privacy policy. And then she'll come in and say, oh, Papa, is it all right if I download this? And I <laughs> well told. Uh, and then she says, all right, I won't download it. I don't really need it. And that's kind of the mindset we have to get our kids into because it's not all about these free apps that look cool that don't really do anything. 
on Privacy Parent as well, we tell people to delete all the apps you're not using because apps that you're not using are still collecting information on you. And there's no reason to be divulging it to apps that you're not even engaging with. Exactly. So, you know, my hope is that my business is a good, strong business. It's a matter of everybody else getting on board. And, you know, Data Copy is the greatest VPN out there. And if they engage with it, they'll be secure and private. And it's just a matter of the consciousness evolving and people taking it privacy seriously. And as we conclude today, what would be your final takeaway message for us from the politics of privacy? Pretty much what I just said. It's really important for our future generations for us to start taking privacy seriously. If we don't start to consider what our lack of concern for privacy will mean to future generations, we're not going to allow them the opportunity at privacy. They're not at a place, children aren't at a place where they can have their own voice at this moment, and we now have to speak for them. Privacyparent.com, we talk about all the issues confronting children in the digital age. At DataCap, we try and protect you and your privacy. And it's just essential for people to start thinking about it and thinking about it very seriously. A cautionary and inspirational tale all at once. Thank you so much for your time today, Marco. And if you do want to connect further with Marco and his business, there are some details on the show notes. Until next time, please take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.